This is our third session now on Ephesians 3, 7 to 13. In the first session, we looked at the flow of thought in those verses as a whole. And last time, we took this unit right here and thought about the fact that Paul has a ministry. He is made a minister of the gospel according to the gift of God's grace. Grace was given to him for this ministry. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So when he was made a minister of the gospel, being a persecutor of the church and a hater of Christ and a hater of the gospel, tremendous grace, undeserved favor was extended toward Paul and enormous power to raise him from the dead, as it were, spiritually, and to make him, I think, the greatest missionary that ever was. Now, all of that has a purpose, and the purpose is first to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and second, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, and then those two purposes lead to this ultimate purpose, the cosmic demonstration to the rulers and authorities through the church of the manifold wisdom of God. So all we're going to do in this session is focus on this first purpose of Paul's apostleship. And in this small sentence, there are at least six things we should look at. Preach as gospel. That's one verb in Greek, to gospel. And we don't have that verb. We use evangelize, but that has connotations that are smaller, I think. Preach as gospel. Then Gentiles, that's the audience. And then unsearchable. And then riches. And then Christ. And then of. <laughs> you might think, you're going to devote time to of? Absolutely. Enormous importance. So let's take them one at a time. The grace here that he's given to be an apostle and to apply the gospel is called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, the riches of Christ. Now, the reason I focus on this by itself is because last time when I looked at this, I said, okay, let's make sure we don't generalize and speak about the gospel from any old angle, but the one that Paul has in mind, and immediately preceding, we read, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. So the gospel here is the means by which one comes into the enjoyment of the promise. And we said, looking back further, it was the blood and the flesh and the cross of Christ bearing our sins was the means through which we get a promise like this. But here, notice, 
Here he's preaching as gospel the riches of Christ. In other words, the, the, the content of this promise is the gospel. The gospel includes the good news. There'd be no good news if there were no cross, no good news if there were no bloodshed, no good news if there were no body offered up on the cross to have its flesh torn, all of that, to bear our sins and to take our place in punishment on the cross. And there'd be no good news if he did all that and there was no promise. And so here he says, I'm preaching as gospel and the content of the gospel is riches. Okay, so that's the point of focusing on the word gospel here again. Don't ever let anybody pick the word gospel from here and there and then make some big overarching statement that excludes things like this. This is here, and it's plain. The gospel, the good news, is the riches of Christ. Second, he's doing this to Gentiles. Let's just not ever take that for granted in a context like this, where Jew and Gentile being united in one body as fellow heirs of the promise is enormously important. Here, remember, this mystery is that the Gentiles are now included. They are partakers of the promise that was made uh, in Christ Jesus, the Messiah. So Gentiles, and, and I think it would be appropriate to just pause and say, now, keep in mind, for Paul, he maybe knew, what, a dozen, two dozen Gentile groupings. He names people like barbarians and Scythians and Greeks and all over the Roman Empire. He knew that there were groups, nations. Today, we know that there are thousands, some would say 17,000 people groups doesn't really matter what the precise number is. Every people, tribe, tongue, nation, Revelation 5.9 gets at the complexity of it. That's what he has in mind. And that's really important because when you just think maybe, okay, there's a Gentile over there on the other side of the room. Here's a Jew on this side of the room. Come on, you guys, work it out, get together. That's, that's a challenge. And that takes power and grace. But what if it's thousands upon thousands, not just of individuals, but of ethnicities with enormously different cultures? And he's saying, my job given to me is to preach as gospel unsearchable riches to every one of them that I can reach. And that continues today. That's going to be important when we think about the word riches. Why, why do you think Paul uh, tackles the word riches? Well, why, that is, why does he use this? Why doesn't he say the greatness of Christ? I, I'm going to suggest that he uses this word repeatedly, I think like four times in Ephesians, because whatever culture you are in, all of them have a concept of riches. How would you define riches that would cover every culture? Because probably a lot of cultures don't give a hoot about gold or silver. I would say riches are resources for 
desire. In other words, desires may be very different from culture to culture, right? Some cultures don't have the, don't have the least desire for what some Western cultures have. But every culture has desires, and every culture knows what it is to have those desires frustrated. And riches is what you call resources for attaining those desires. If I have resources that can enable me to get my desires, then I'm a rich person. So I think riches is perhaps chosen here to say, in Christ, there are resources to satisfy our deepest desires. Every good desire will be satisfied. Nothing will be lacking in Christ to satisfy all good desires in the age to come. That's what riches stands for, I think. And the word unsearchable, why is that word used? Because everybody is plagued from time to time with the fear that our riches, our resources will run out. And I remember even as a child, I used to worry that, well, maybe there'll be some exciting parts about heaven, but goodness, after a million years, it, we're going to have exhausted all the possible fun things, right? That's how immature you can be as a kid. And this word is added to say, you will never come to the end. You can search and probe and uh, dig into and climb up on the riches of God as long as you want, and you'll never get to the limit of them. So don't worry about desires not being made satisfied and you being happy forever and ever. These are inexhaustible riches. Now, Christ. Christ has the ring in this context of Jew and Gentile of Messiah probably regularly. And he's saying, look, all you Gentiles, this Christ who comes as the new David and Something greater than Solomon is here, the richest king that ever was. You are included in the Christ. Don't ever, ever feel like you Gentiles, you nations, are second-class citizens. You are included in the Messiah, which means full fellow beneficiaries of the promises made to the Jewish people through the Messiah and now I'm asking finally about this word of. Paul preaches his gospel to the nations, the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches. Now, does this mean that Christ is the riches or that Christ gives the riches? What does of mean? You see how important that is? The riches of Christ, the riches which are Christ, the riches of Christ, the riches which Christ gives. And I want to suggest that it would be an offense to Paul and to Christ to choose between those two. Remember that in chapter 1, it says in verse 7, 
In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. That's a gift. Forgiveness is not the same as Christ. Christ's blood bought forgiveness. Forgiveness is a relief of guilt, real guilt, a removal of guilt. That's a gift to the glory of Christ. So one of the riches of Christ is forgiveness of sins. But we all know about this text, don't we? Philippians 3. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Just knowing him. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Know Christ, gain Christ. So surely it would be appropriate to say that the riches of Christ, the inexhaustible resources of being satisfied, means being satisfied with all that Christ gives and all that Christ is. Or you could say, all that God is for us in Christ. So Paul's ministry is to go throughout the world, and our ministry today is to go throughout the world heralding as gospel to all the nations, all the peoples, individuals and groups, the unsearchable resources of the best and highest and deepest desires being satisfied with Christ and all that he gives.